Hello, everybody. This is the SLTD Going Over Big Time podcast. And once again, I am the Cantastic, joined by my friend Mike Charlotte. And we are once again joined by our, our good friend uh, Tanner from uh, Headlock Talk. And uh, I'm sorry, his podcast is now called... Uh, what was your podcast called again, Tanner? Uh, re- Wrestling Relapse. Yeah, that's it. Wrestling re- From the Wrestling <laughs> Relapse podcast. Uh, Tanner has joined us to uh, go over the results of uh, AEW All In London in Wembley Stadium. We all just finished watching it as of this recording. Um, guys, hell of a show. Uh, I calculated that I just spent five hours watching wrestling this entire afternoon. It, well, actually, probably six if you counted. 11 o'clock, they started the countdown to the zero hour, and then zero hour, and then you had the show starting from one to five. Oh, I I, I turned it on at like 11.50. Oh, okay. That's fine. I kind of turned it on around the time that Jeff Jared was walking to the ring. Ah, okay. I, I turned it on a bit early, and when I turned it on, because <laughs> I was just checking to see if uh, everything else was on the up and up, I saw... They were doing a powerhouse Hobbs and Rusev confrontation. This is, of course, Miro. To, yeah, Miro. Did I say Rusev? Oh my god, yeah, Miro confrontation. <laughs> this is to um, highlight their match at All Out on next Sunday, September third in Chicago. Um, and then we got, as you mentioned, uh, the Jeff Jarrett uh, walk in with his entourage. The Jeff Jarrett Brigade. Yeah, Jeff Taraj, <laughs> I don't know. But yeah. uh yeah, he walked in with his wife Karen, that annoying creep Sanjay Dutt, uh Satnam Singh, and of course Jay Lethal, who is really wasting his talents in that group. Anyway, they yes. came down and just basically trashed the British wrestling audience and said, uh, without American wrestling, this what you guys wouldn't even have a thing to watch. And Jarrett basically hyped up uh all the uh old uh, territory guard from like you know um mm-hmm. Florida, the uh the Carolinas, Jim Crockett, of course himself and his father, the Jarrett's who ran the, the Memphis territory. Mm. Um and then all of nowhere the uh former big show Paul White's music hit. He comes walking out with British boxing star Anthony Ogogo and Grado. Um if you haven't paid attention uh, Jeff Jarrett had a conversation with Grado during this whole media blitz promoting All In, where um, right in the middle of, uh, I guess, a radio show that Grado hosts, Jeff Jarrett just nails Grado in the head of a guitar. <laughs> and um, I'm not sure exactly what precipitated that. But um, they did a little stare down, and uh, Satnam Singh was confronted by the seven foot, 400 pound, something pound big show. I'm sorry, Paul White. Who promptly knocked him out with one punch? Paul Paul. And, yeah, all Paul. Tall Paul. Tall Paul <laughs> just knocked out Satnam. Probably first time I saw Satnam just flatten on his back. This led to another <laughs> kind of just random, you know, another beatdown of the Jeff Toraj ending uh-huh. with Grado uh, taking Jeff's head off Taraj. his guitar. Um, <laughs> basically, that's the best way I could sum up that uh, little. Um, yeah, countdown. It, it was just to get it was just to get all these people on the show. I guess Jeff Jarrett wanted a match on the show, and I, he was supposed to have a match with Grado. 
but I guess yeah. that was that was next, and they just did this, which is fine. Right. There was also some word that they were supposed to get uh, Paul White's former gimmick, Captain Insano, into All In, but that was scrapped mm-hmm. as well. So yeah, he's been saying for a while that since uh, Turner owns it or whatever, yeah. uh, that they could use it at some point. Uh, so maybe someday. <laughs> yeah, Tanner, any thoughts? Uh, I think it would be great to see Captain Insano again. Um, I, I'd wonder whether or not he would wear like a wig, perhaps. Uh, last time we saw Captain <laughs> now, Insano, he had... that would be something. <laughs> <laughs> he had a lot you more know. hair. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I, I, I think it'd be great. I, I, I'd get a kick out of it personally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna move on to zero hour, and there were two mm-hmm. matches, two title matches actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started, and of course, it's made sense because they wanted to give these guys uh, as much recovery time as possible. We started with the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Title Championship match between the champions Aussie Open, and then better than you, baby, with Adam Cole and MJF. Um, yeah. Uh, so I was thinking at some point, I was thinking to myself, conventionally, they would have just not one, and then they would have moved on to the world title match, but uh, mm-hmm. surprising ending. Um, the match went, like, I mean, they started with a beatdown. Ozzy Open jumped uh, Cole and Max at the beginning, and then basically did a super collider outside the ring mm-hmm. before the match really started. Um, I mean, Ozzy Open obviously uh, showing their chemistry as an established tag team, but uh, I thought this match was solid. Um, I mean, what did you guys think? I mean, the ending was, you know, as I expected them to be since they, if you were thinking of them going over. So, so I, uh, I just pulled up all the times for uh, the show and this was the shortest match of the entire show. Um, it was only seven minutes and 45 seconds. So it was kind of like a sprint and they did great. I, I absolutely enjoyed this match for what it was. And Adam Cole and MJF are too over as a team for them not to win here. Um, I think Aussie Open's great, but it, the ROH uh, championships as a whole kind of aren't being used to the, to the potential that they could be used as. I mean, ROH on Thursdays, is just the new AW Dark. So um, I guess it, it, it puts some shine on these belts that they weren't getting if you don't watch ROH Weekly. But Claudio's never on the show on Thursdays and still has the world title. Um, but either way, this was a very fun match and I was not surprised by the finish. Yeah, I wasn't surprised either. Tanner, uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I got to agree with some of the, the the larger points here that that Mike's pointing out in that, um, like you said, the ROH tag team titles were, I guess, at its hottest in this current era with the Briscoes and with FTR. I, th- I think that it's had a very obvious and apparent come down since then. Um, however, I, I am hopeful that with MJF and Adam Cole 
maybe they can revive the titles a, a little bit more, maybe make some appearances on Ring of Honor, maybe really kind of heat them up. I think that'd be great. I was actually a little bit surprised um, that MJF and Adam Cole uh, went over in this match um, you know, for, for a couple of reasons. Aussie Open, um, if, you, if you're familiar with them, I mean, they, they've toured up and down England for forever with Rev Pro and Progress Wrestling for a long time. So it's, it's almost like being in a second home for them. Uh, so, uh, you know, my mind immediately went to, you know, they, you know, there's a good chance that Aussie open could or should win this match. Uh, but, but also I think that a loss for MJF and Adam Cole would add a lot more drama to the main event. Um, but based off of the booking and how we eventually got to the main event, I, I do think that it does make a lot of sense. So, I, I'm I'm happy with the result. I'm hopeful of what the uh, the potential is for this outcome. But uh, yeah, great match, um, like you guys said. Just Biggest, to add, like yeah, sorry. Just to add, the crowd is is absolutely loving this act, and we never seen the kangaroo kick before today, and the crowd absolutely loved it. I would. That's what I was just <laughs> going to talk about. I was like, Max J, MJF finally got in. The kangaroo kick that he's been practicing ever since they went to Outback Steakhouse. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, of all the things that go over, but anyway, it's um, just something I've all got to just mention at the beginning. I'm just looking, even though I've seen WrestleMania countless times and SummerSlam to a lesser extent, just seeing the the stadium for an AEW show with that many people was just mind boggling. It was just like stunning to me. And mm-hmm. I was like, "Wow, this, this is, is their WrestleMania." This, yeah, this, this is this is what five years of work has come come down to. It's it's, for, it's coming this right for for the first couple of years of AEW. People were like wondering, "What is AEW's biggest show of the year? Is it Double or Nothing? Is it All Out?" Um, but with this show, and since I mean, it's already been announced, they're doing it again in the same venue. Um, this is their WrestleMania. And mm-hmm. it it absolutely amazing turnout, amazing amazing match to start off. You do have to wonder, since we're talking about the stadium and them doing uh, another show in 2024, um, what if any plans does how how this directly impacts WWE? Because obviously we got the whole thing at Money in the Bank and how John Cena came out. It's quite clear they want to do a uh, WrestleMania in London. I mean, um, it, it's it's coming. It's coming. Sure, sure. At um, some point, it, it's just going to be a matter of like, you know, I mean, th- does this give AEW more of uh, ground swelling support? Uh, does this just enhance the wrestling scene in Europe in general? Um, who knows? Uh, but I mm-hmm. think that uh, WWE, if, if AEW is to make this a consistent thing. Uh, there. Depending on when WWE decides to pull the trigger on doing a WrestleMania in London, probably specifically Wembley Stadium, there they might feel like they're in someone else's backyard. Uh, which which mm-hmm. would be a very interesting dynamic with WWE and AEW's current relationship. And we we kind of talked about this offline a little, but uh, AEW has been doing this since the get go, really. All Out and Double or Nothing are in the same venue every year. And Double or Nothing did not do well this year. 
mm-hmm. um it was it was noticeably empty because mm-hmm. they've kind of flooded the market now i'm not saying that they they will do that in year two of this show but you have to wonder like what's going to happen obviously it's a year away and you just had this show but you have to wonder it's they're gonna they're gonna try to break the record again and if they don't is that considered a failure and and then you have to wonder like okay we have to go somewhere else now but I still think they should be going somewhere else anyway. I don't think All Out should always be in Chicago. I don't think Double or Nothing should always be in Vegas because not everybody can get to those places. Right, right. And I think that just like, I mean, you would never see, well, I shouldn't say that, WWE's held <laughs> multiple events. You know, I mean, just take well, WrestleMania's yeah. four and five, so- but... SummerSlam, um, SummerSlam from 2015 to 2018, and mm-hmm. all in all in Brooklyn, and mm-hmm. they each got worse with the passing year. <laughs> yeah, is, you know, it's it's the uh, old adage of the of the heart growing fonder with absence, right? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, because I went to 2015 and 2016 and had a blast, but when 2017 came around for SummerSlam, I was like. I don't need to go to this again. Is that the and, one with uh, Brock and Joe and Strowman yes. and Roman? Yeah, that's a great yes. match. <laughs> that that was like the only good match on that show. But uh, yeah, uh, and I was proven right. I did not have to go to that show, and I was glad that I did not. <laughs> yeah, but okay. Yeah, but but uh, yeah, it's um, we'll see what happens with uh you know, all incoming next year again to Wembley, but we'll get into that later. Um, We have an FTW title match, but before I get to that, I think they panned the camera into the bleachers because there's one Mercedes Ricardo, a.k.a. Mercedes Monet, showing up at All In, and people were just going ecstatic. First of all, great to see Mercedes healthy and running around. Um, She Mm -hmm. just uh, was... um, She sustained an injury that... um, had her take some time off from New Japan, um, so mm-hmm. uh, that was unfortunate. But we just saw her. We now see her at All In, and they did a lot of. Um, actually, it wasn't Mercedes's first appearance. I mean, it was. This was just for the zero hour. I mean, during the pay per view, they they panned her over to her a couple of times. Noticeably, uh, not during the women's <laughs> title to, match or after match. after the conclusion of that, but they did mention her in in passing, I guess during or when that match concluded. But yes, yes, um, Mercedes now been seen in an AEW setting. So, yes. what does that portend? Um, um not it, sure yet. It it could mean anything it could mean that she is talking to them and something can happen in the future it could mean nothing only time will tell um yeah yeah it 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 really boils down to uh, what in mercedes contract is she permitted to do i suppose right i i'm certain that um with AEW and new japan having a quite friendly relationship now at this point that there's some flexibility there. Um, uh-huh. You know, but it's a matter of a, like you guys said, her getting healthy and B, 
you know, I mean, hey, if if New Japan's cool with her doing uh, uh, some shows, um, hey, I'll, I'm all for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nothing. Cool. It's it can't. It can only be good news. Yeah. Uh, so as I mentioned, now we move on to the second title match of uh, the pre-show. It's the for the FTW Championship under FTW rules. Hook taking on Jack Perry, who is the current who was the current champion. Um, yeah, Hook came in uh, his standard entrance, and then Jack Perry came into Beethoven again. Beethoven's Symphony Number no. Five in what appears to be a limousine or a hearse. Um, it was a it was a small limo. Small a small limo. Yeah, Jack, Jack comes out, and he and Hook basically meet in the middle of the. Uh, Entrance way, and then they start start brawling because yeah, it's an FTW rules match. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, the the match started at the car and then made its way to the ring. Um, Hook got in a few good shots, starts smashing Jack through a couple of doors and uh, windows, and then uh, and then Hook tried to suplex. No, Jack tried to suplex uh, Hook onto the um windshield, uh, the front windshield. I believe at that point he made a comment is like saying, see that's real glass, guys, or something that effect. He said he said real gla- real glass, cry about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then that was followed by Hook reversing and to a fisherman suplex onto said real glass. Um then match makes it way makes his way back to the ring. Um you know, a lot of back and forth, but eventually Hook uh caught the uh Jack into the um red rum submission hold. Jack taps out. Hook has now regained the FDW title. Uh this match was the probably the second shortest match at eight minutes and twenty mm-hmm. seconds. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wasn't expecting another outcome. I mean, it wouldn't have been weird for Jack to retain at yeah. that point. Because you yeah, know, he this did one... this whole retirement of the title angle, but uh yeah, this one was pretty predictable. Everybody kind of expected that Hook would get the win back and t- and win the belt back because it's his belt. It's it's his da- it's his and his dad's belt. Like it, honestly, he's the only person who should hold it. <laughs> but that's kind of why it's kind of not needed in general. But I understand why it's there. Um, and. I I I enjoyed this match for what it was. I, I wasn't expecting, you know, a, a Matt classic or anything like that. It was good uh, brawling, good uh, s- spots here and there. And um, yeah, Hook got the win. Uh, Taz was very happy, of course. One would have um, thought, being a no rules match, basically, that Taz would have gotten involved himself at some point. Well... I mean that would have been nice, uh, but Taz is uh, hasn't done anything in a long time. <laughs> yeah, oh, he, he kind of he kind of comes across as he wants his son to stand up on his own two feet, right? Like, right. yeah, he, he's never he's never gotten involved in Hook's business, um, which is yeah, you know, fair at least at least during this angle. Yeah, one thing I sent over, I don't know, Tanner, you saw it too, but uh, there was a tweet of a suggestion of how they should have. Book this. It was uh, that Hook would go over, win the title, and then maybe do something where like Taz climbs in the ring, gives his son a hug, they mm-hmm. kind of both look at the title, and then they just leave it in the ring. 
They retired. They retired the title, not the other guy. <laughs> so, yeah. like, I, th- I thought I thought you were gonna been, go with like like Taz gives him a Taz mission and like, <laughs> like, does, like a Taz plex on the hook and like takes the belt. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You kids have you kids have had enough uh, fun with this. Okay, I'm taking it home to put it back on the mantle. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I thought that would have been a, a nice way to have retired the belt properly. Mm. If that was where they so. Were going. It it appears to me that w- without them really like saying it, that this is like their hardcore title, yeah. right? But it it's hardly defended, so. <laughs> I I oh, did read somewhere I did read somewhere that there was some talk about one of the titles at AEW getting a redesign soon. Now, looking further ahead, I thought because there was another title change uh, the, uh in the main show that it was going to be just like talking about that one. But I don't know if they're going to keep this FTW title around. And like you said, Mike, if there's this going to be like their hardcore championship. Maybe the FTW is gonna get a redesign. I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I don't care. I'm fine with it with lo- the way it looks now, because it's got that vintage '90s look from like the mm-hmm. original time. It's nostalgic to me. So, but if they're looking at a redesign to make it more of a permanent thing, then you know, maybe even yeah. you know, an officially sanctioned belt, then maybe they are gonna do that. Who knows? Yeah. Um. Yeah, we'll see. I, I, I mean, I, I want to know what they're going to be doing with this belt going forward. If maybe they are just going to quietly retire it, um, because Hook has a back, and like I said, there's really no reason for anybody else to hold it. Mm. Uh, I think uh, to to cap off this match, I, I think that um, for for better or for worse, this match will go down, uh, perhaps more so about. Uh, the uh, the ramifications, the backstage rumors, and everything that happened uh, post match or pre match um, involving uh, uh, yeah. Jack and CM Punk. Uh, there's a lot that's not known um, right now. I mean, uh, obviously, yeah. obviously, Sean Ross Sapp and PW Insider are all reporting. Um, you know, there's a confrontation between the two. Um, some reporting. Uh, not so much. I mean, Miro has refuted um, one side of the story. He, you know, um, but um, I'm sure that AEW could use less drama <laughs> right about now. Involving that one particular person, for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it was uh, it was reported recently that there was a backstage uh, argument between CM Punk and Jack Perry about said glass. Um, Jack Perry apparently wanted to use real glass in, in I don't know if it's in this match or or in another. I, th- where... I think it was a prior match that Punk had told Jack, you know, don't, don't do that. It's not good for you yeah. know, your career, so, your longevity. Blah, I, I, blah. I believe that Punk was just making a suggestion and there was some miscommunication. I don't know that for a fact, but sure. Punk, but also reports claim that Punk thought that the reason he wanted to use real glass was because he wanted to use it as an excuse to take time off, which ah. was later refuted that he had scheduled time off and it didn't matter. Mm. Um, so it, it just feels like drama for no reason. And then the uh, 
the real glass cry about it comment was obviously directed at punk and that's where these reports of the altercation came in mm. um so different things are being reported but the the main thing is being, being said is that um John, uh, jack was sent home or sent away from the venue mm-hmm. and cm punk stayed for the whole show assuming because he was supposed to do media i don't know for sure i haven't looked i haven't looked at the media to see if he's been on it mm-hmm. um but yeah i i so i it, i don't like the fact that cm punk is attached to another drama when we're trying to get past this other big one that took place <laughs> a year ago that's right. still going on almost one um, year almost one year to the day that it happened yeah um so with that that brought us into the cm punk match for the real world championship <laughs> yes so cm punk is doing the uh sean michaels 94 where he never lost the belt and um Saying that he's the real world champion because he's never been beaten for the belt, which I, which is fine. I could have went without the X on the belt thing, but I, mm. but I don't care either way. Um, and this match with Samoa Joe was very good. Um, yeah, yeah I think I it was mean... it was definitely better than the tournament match. Um, the tournament match was kind of like. I mean, because before the, tur- the the tournament match, Punk had never beaten Samoa Joe. And when he <clears> finally <throat> did in the tournament match, it was a surprise roll-up, which people were not expecting. They were, I think they were expecting Punk to win. They weren't expecting him to win that way. But uh, this match was very different. It was very hard-hitting, very... Um, very... Uh, what's the word? It, Early on, I I love the spot where they were outside the ring and Joe just throws Punk into the bottom of the announce table. Yeah, I'm 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 looking at a tweet from someone who created a gif of it right now. Punk basically looks like he was trying to go for a Hurricane Rana. Joe catches it, basically swings Punk's face into that table. Nigel McGinnis said he thought the front of the table touched his leg. It was actually Punk, and then when they pulled him out. Punk was obviously juicing and bleeding profusely. Yeah, they um, they then sat, he then sat him in the corner of the barricade and booted him over the barricade, and they came back in the ring bleeding. Um, but there was a lot of uh, great uh, action in this match. I loved the seesaw chops, um, where Punk was sitting on the rope and Joe just chopped him repeatedly, and he just rocked back and forth each time. Um, the uh, let me see. I have I have notes for this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, Punk hit a uh, spin out power bomb, of course, to rile up the crowd. Uh, yes. And... Uh, the other, the one spot I did remember, of obviously, like you mentioned, the spray painted belt 
which was uh, not only his uh, Shawn Michaels impersonation, but also the Hollywood Hulk Hogan impersonation from the yes. 1997 WCW. Um, yeah. Punk at one point basically did the um, fireman's carry powerbomb thing. John Cena does. And was looks like he was going for a five-knuckle shuffle when he actually went for a leg drop. Joe kicks out at probably like around one, and then he starts doing the hulking up. Punk basically hits him repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Nothing's happened. And Joe, Joe did the, the finger point. Yeah, yeah, he did the like, point. I was yeah. like, oh, <laughs> that's it. That's it. I was like thinking to myself in twenty twenty three. That's an interesting uh, wrestler to. Well, uh, Punk is doing that. <laughs> Punk is doing that to rile up the crowd because he knows he knows that there's you know those detractors of his and that they will not like that he is channeling John Cena and or Hulk Hogan <laughs> um, and uh, yeah I, I I mean I thought that was funny um, Punk goes for the corner in Zaguri like he does and Joe reversed it with that great uh, STO reversal that he does which always looks cool Um Earlier in the match, Joe tried to do the walkaway spot, and oh. <laughs> we uh, did that CM, yeah, CM Punk saw it coming and uh, stayed on the middle rope and hit a Hurricane Rana, uh, which I liked because nobody's been able to really uh, thwart that. Joe well, he counts, well, you know, Joe actually did the walkaway spot when Punk tried diving outside the ring when Joe was outside, and I saw it that Joe walked away at that point. So, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, but this was in the ring. Um. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, muscle buster attempt. Uh, Joe. Ch- uh, Punk gets off of it and uh, ends up in the corner again. Joe puts him on the top rope and chops him off the top rope. Um. And um. Punk counters another muscle buster attempt on the while he's on the top rope and hits the Pepsi plunge. Yeah, and gets the victory. Um, obviously Samoa Joe being as big as he is, Punk didn't really hook the arms. He kind of just <laughs> yeah, it's just like had his arms underneath him yeah, and over a little, but it still looked cool. I love he hits the Pepsi plunge every once in a while. I mean, obviously he couldn't do it in WWE for obvious reasons. Uh, Triple H, and um. Yeah, he pulls it out once in a while and gets the victory here. Yep, finally getting a clean pinfall on his longtime rival. I guess sort of like um, cleaning up the sort of half victory back from the back in the Owen Hart tournament. But uh, yeah, Tanner, what did you think of uh, this match? Yeah, I mean, I think that. Um... The, the the finish with the Pepsi plunge certainly is a nice little uh, call back to their Ring of Honor roots. I, I think that, mm-hmm. that was a really cool, uh, fitting, nice ending to this. Um, I, I, I've, I've really kind of been in two minds about the revival of this feud. I, I, at first, I very much thought it was very cool that they were... Um, uh, that they were going to go back to, to facing each other once, you know, collision kicked off. Um, 
I, I still enjoy the matches. I think that if you if you're going into this thinking, oh man, this is going to be like the Ring of Honor classics of old. Bear in mind that both of these guys are 20 years older than they were back then. So, you know, you have to recalibrate a little bit. But I think for what it is, it, it is certainly a very good match. And I think that um, it had a lot of a good heat and good um, crowd response uh, for what you would want in an opening contest for a, a show like this. So, yeah, thumbs up from me. Cool. Um, yeah, so... um... Sorry, okay, I just wanted I, yeah. I just wanted to add uh Samoa Joe's been the TV champion for five hundred plus days and has defended it on ROH TV, but again, if you don't watch the show, you wouldn't know that. Um and it doesn't seem like anybody's in line to beat him for it. Um just kinda hoping that something comes of that soon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Joe's most uh, interesting segments on Ring of Honor lately have been basically taking Stokely Hathaway and making him his beat. Um, I'm sorry, making him his uh, subordinate, if you will, uh, uh -huh. even <laughs> using him as a tag partner at one point. So uh, <laughs> I don't know what's going on with that. But yeah, let's hopefully uh, they find something, they find a worthy opponent for uh, Samoa Joe and the ROH TV title because they've been doing some tournaments lately. And um I think they've been trying to push Dalton Castle a little, little bit, but uh, I'm not sure yeah. where that's going. Yeah. Um, so interestingly enough, we go on from a CM Punk match to an elite match featuring Kenny Omega and his friends. Uh, well, Ke Ke um, we we had both elite matches that followed the CM Punk yes, match, but here's which, the first one. Yeah, here's the first one. <laughs> The Golden Elite with uh, Kenny and friends, uh, Kota Ibushi and Hang Hangman Adam Page, taking on a Bullet Club Gold, uh, Juice Robinson and Jay White, uh, accompanied by the Guns, and uh, accompanied by that uh, scumbag Don Callis and his charged Konosuke Takeshita, and a really um, fast pacing paced uh, six man tag team match, I would say. Um, Ending was a little disappointing, but I think it was needed, especially for a young guy like uh, Takeshita. You know, they mm -hmm. signed him just about a, couple, a year ago, probably, or so. And uh, they've really found the stride with this guy and pairing him with Don Callis um, in this yeah. association. And uh, really, now, now, look, he's feuding with, like, the top star in the company. So, I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on here. I mean... I could have yeah, done. Without, I could have done without the guns uh, dropping in and out with their interference, but otherwise it was really good. So a lot of these multi-man matches are really hard to follow if you're trying to discuss them, especially with Kenny and the Bucks and uh, you know Paige and these guys. And but there was a lot of great back and forth action by everybody. Everybody got their shit in, you know. Um, Takeshita and Abushi faced off again, which I thought was great. Um, I want to see a singles match between those guys. Um, Takeshita took this kick to the chest that just sounded brutal. <laughs> but every every strike of Abushi sounds painful, even if it isn't. Um, Kenny Omega, of course, just triggering everybody uh it, it 
I, I felt like it was kind of like Juice Robinson kind of felt like he was just there because <laughs> I can't off the top of my head recall anything that he did. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if the if they decided to go the other way, he would have been the bump guy or the fall guy. But um, they didn't. And uh, yeah, they, they gave a lot of time, I felt, to uh, Takeshita. To, well, they did the thing where they had... They did a throwback to New Japan, uh, Jay White uh, squaring off with Kota Ibushi, which was a heavily featured match down in that promotion. Uh, obviously, they did Kenny and uh, Takeshita at the end. Um, yeah, I guess like, you know, I mean, in a sense, Hangman was also, even though he's, he, he's, he really has a more prominent role in, uh, in that association with Kenny and, and this, it's just like he was also kind of like just a guy that was there too, right? Yeah. Um, it it kind of felt like this match being just thrown together was kind of weird, but uh, I mean, if you believe reports that if Danielson wasn't hurt, Kenny would have been having that rematch on the show. Ooh, that would have been great. Um, yeah, yeah, but um, this was fine. It, it was fun. It was a fun match. Um, mm. and I, so part of me wanted to believe that Kenny would possibly win here and then Takeshita would get the bigger rub by winning the singles match because I, I assume they're going to have that at All Out. Uh, excuse me. But um, Takeshita getting the win here um, makes me think it could go the other way where Kenny gets the win back in the singles. But also, also that it would be even bigger for Takeshita as a whole to have multiple wins over Kenny Omega. Um, and if he were to win the singles match with with or without Don Callis' help, that would be huge for him. Um, so I'm I'm torn on where this could be going as far I I, I think I know the singles match is happening at all out. I I just don't know where it could go from here yeah because it's like once you beat Takeshita like unless they add more members to his family like is is Kenny gonna fight Dawn next I mean Dawn is not an active competitor so it's like mm -hmm. you know I mean I mean you want to have a group of guys it's almost like the dangerous alliance uh, that Paul Heyman used to run if Paul Heyman was feuding with somebody you'd have to want to have him oh. surrounded by a bunch of enforcers and have Kenny just go through all I'm of them. I'm sure. Then... I'm sure he's going to add more people to the group yeah. in the coming weeks. Um, I don't know. I just it's just feels like the the Kenny Omega Don Callis feud is not really like catching on for me. And um, oh, you mean like CM Punk and Paul Heyman? Yeah, I don't think that. <laughs> I'm trying to remember that one, dude. I don't think that I really caught on either. Um, it's just like you know, he Callis and Don Mysterio have the same thing: go away heat. And like nobody wants to hear them every time they open their mouth, and it's like, you know, I mean, yeah. I might feel more invested in Don Callis's character if I could hear what the fuck he was saying. But the fans keep booing him every time, <laughs> so I don't know what you say. But uh, yeah, Takeshi gets a surprise roll up victory here, um, you know, which was fine, I guess, you know, and it was like this could carry the story forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tanner, any thoughts? 
the, the only final thought that I have um, that, that I felt like hasn't been covered yet already by you fine gentlemen it would be uh, regarding Kota Ibushi. I, I think that now uh, uh, we have now gotten to a stage where we have finally we're, we're finally starting to witness Kota Ibushi showing a little bit of age here. Um, this is not the first time he missed the Golden Triangle moonsault. Um, you know, I, he he did do a little slip, yeah, which was they they the, know, they uh, mentioned that when he did it. Oh yeah, yep. Now now he did also, if you guys remember the Golden Elite versus Young Bucks match from back in the day, uh, one of the best matches you'll one of the best tag matches you'll ever see. He slipped back then as well, but seeing that plus. Uh, Ibushi going for much more of a grounded, strike-based uh, kind of um, well move set. It, it it does allude to me that he's starting to move away from the high flying and 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 go to a much more mature style. I guess for well, for a man my, his age. My thought about that is maybe it has something to do with American rings because. He's he's so used to working in Japan, and their rings are. I'm pretty sure their ropes are a lot looser. uh, Sure. As opposed opposed to American rings, so maybe uh, it's an adaptation kind of thing. Yeah, Uh, but I don't know that for a fact. I'm just I'm just spitballing here. But I mean, he is he's in his forties. Kota Ibushi is not young anymore, or not young as young as he was. He's still young for a wrestler. I mean. But yeah, uh, I mean, everybody has to adapt at some point. And I, I mean, I like that he's more of a more of a striker now, and uh, he's been adapting to that. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't want to be kicked by him. <laughs> <laughs> sure, <laughs> nobody does. Yeah. But, um, anyway, uh, the next match, the match uh, of the night. I- yeah, uh, yeah, that's it's. I think you're, you know, good, good contender for match of the year. Um, it's the it's rubber, it's on the list. It's the it's... rubber match for between FTR, uh, the tag team champions, facing the Young Bucks. Um, so in the entrance for the Young Bucks, I don't know how much <laughs> money this could cost, but apparently they did a short, um, and en- en- uh, intro. I guess inspired by Freddie Mercury and Queen, and uh, and then mm-hmm. the Young Bucks uh, theme played. At first, I thought did the Young Bucks change their theme, and I was like, this kind of sounds familiar, but I can't place where it is. And then someone's someone in the commentary just said Freddie Mercury, and I go, oh, okay, of course. Yeah, in the yeah they 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 did a knockoff of uh, another one bites the dust, um, which oh, yeah. it, I mean they it wasn't the actual song. They, they just had yeah. somebody playing. A mimicked version of it uh, with uh, super kicked themed um, lyrics. Um, okay. Super yeah. kick your head off or something. I mean, between this yeah. and all the fireworks going off the entire night, I'm wondering how much money that cost a lot. There was a lot of music licensing tonight. <laughs> we'll, get to that. we'll get to some of that down, down, down a bit. But uh, yeah, so the Young Bucks had a special Freddie Mercury, Mercury's uh, entrance, and then FDR had. You know, they had their own and they they came out normally. Um, I thought a little bit that this match went from kind of like, what was it? Hold on, let me think. Was it this match or the other or the other one coming up? Mm, no, it was this one. I think 
they went to like the whole stare down when they both when all four of them were in the ring and then they started punching each other. I thought that came out really early, and then they started mm-hmm. doing uh, all the all the good spots that we expect from these two f- fine tag teams. Um, yeah, so there was a lot of trading of moves in this match, and a lot of like tandem, like, uh, like I can anything you could do, I could do better kind of thing in this match. So I liked early on. There was um, it was Nick and Cash both did uh, uh, Hurricane Rana's followed by mounted punches like at the same time, and they like kind of looked at each other while they were doing it, and they were like, wait, <laughs> like that that was pretty cool. Um. Nick tries to go out uh, to Dax on the apron and Dax. Uh, so Nick uh, is on the apron, tries to knock Dax off the apron, but Dax sees it coming. And then um, Cash tries to go for a hot tag. And at the same time, Matt like runs to Dax and just hits a super kick as <laughs> He's going for the hot tag. Like, that happened so fast. I was like, what the hell just happened? I was like, this is with a blur. As, as just... he's going for the hot tag, I absolutely loved that spot. Um, and uh, yeah, there, um, let's see. Dax gets the hot tag. Uh, suplex is yet one uh, mad on top of Nick. Uh, multiple German suplexes. Uh and then Matt counters it into the locomotion uh, Northern Lights. Uh, and they're like kind of like going back and forth and trading between Germans and Northern Light suplexes. And then they have like a standoff, like right as that's happening, and the crowd just roared. Like, it, these guys are, are really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Tana. Yeah, two, two, two of the, the top tag teams in the world without a doubt that definitely the two best of the modern era, I would say. Um, yeah, just, and, and what's really cool is that they, they, they stay consistent with, uh, with callbacks, which is really, really fun. Like at one point, um, I believe it was, uh, cash who I think, what was it? The first time that they had, uh, FTR oh, versus oh, Young Bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember. Cash went, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah so they me- they mentioned on commentary in the first match where um they faced off. Cash went out of his wheelhouse and went for a springboard 450, and that cost them the match because uh, uh Matt I believe was the one who was on the ground and got out of the way, and then they used that to win the match, and they called that back, and Cash did it again. And that uh, resulted in super kick to the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, he, he missed it, landed on his gut, and then yeah, yeah. I think they got a, a super kick. Yeah, um, I loved the the double sharpshooter spot where Dax had the sharpshooter on Matt in the ring, and Cash had a sharpshooter on the apron on Nick. Um, that was broken up as well. Uh, Bucks attempt the powerplex. Uh, but uh, after the superplex, um, both guys kind of just stay on the ground, and then their respective partners both go for splashes, and both guys get their knees up. Uh, that was another great spot. Um, spike pile driver by FTR, kick out. Uh, miscommunication by FTR, cash knockdown 
three super kicks in a row to Dax, followed by a spike pile driver by the Bucks. Mm. Dax kicks out. Uh, then uh, FTR goes for the BTE trigger or the uh, FTR F- trigger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they uh, they hit it, uh, kick out shatter machine uh no they hit a shatter machine right after that and then there was a kick out uh this is when cash goes for the 450 misses eats a super kick to count bte trigger on cash kick out again um bucks hit their own shatter machine on dax uh and another bte trigger on cash and another kick out <laughs> uh Meltzer driver's attempt reversed into another shatter machine. FTR retains. So I mean, not just any shatter machine, but I feel like it was like the biggest shatter machine I've seen because they had a bit of elevated height at that instant. Yeah, but yeah, that was a big so one. so much action in this match. A lot of back and forth. A lot of trading finishers. This is easily the better of the three, in my opinion, between these two teams. Uh, match of the year candidate, match of the night for me. Um, and FTR gets the win and they uh extended the hands, but Young Bucks uh slighted him again, no handshake. Mm. Uh, also, note um, both members of FTR had armbands for Bray, Terry Funk, and uh, Jay Briscoe, which was very cool, yeah. Uh, probably should have mentioned something in the beginning of this, but um, the unfortunate passing of Bray Wyatt and Terry Funk this past week. As yes, if you want to fold this in there too, Bob Barker of Price is Right, but uh, you know he and, did it. And Arlene Sorkin, the voice of Harley Quinn from Batman the Animated Series. Oh no, shit! Really? Oh, I didn't. Yeah, know that. yeah. All all in the span of like three days, which is very it's, unfortunate. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it is very unfortunate. Uh, we'll we'll uh, see more tributes to Bray later on the show. But uh, yes. you know, our friends over on uh, the SLTD roundtable did a really lovely um, uh, a reminiscence of um, Bray Wyatt's uh, highlights of his career. And um, I want to give a shout out to Ty for giving a very very loving um, story about how he just and a, and a, another stranger that he never met just con- they connected because of their love for Bray Wyatt and their familiarity with his work. So uh, hats mm-hmm. off to them. And, um, but yeah. Um, yeah, there was a, Oh yeah, there was some, uh, we did see uh, uh, instances of um, a tribute to um, Bray or Wyndham Rotunda. Uh, Mercedes also wore a Wyndham uh, black armband or uh, when she was, when they showed her in the stands. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh... Great uh, tributes all around in in this match, and yeah, I, I I can't say enough about how great this match was. Um, and might be hard to top as far as tag team matches go. Yeah. Um. So from from the match you described, which I which from the sounds of it, Mike, you took extensive notes about. I mean, of course, this is the match of the year candidate to. Just a chaotic shithouse of nonsense. For that zero, zero, zero notes. Zero, zero notes. Known as the stadium stampede. <laughs> uh, obviously, uh, the first stadium stampede had no people, so we were able to more clearly see uh, 
them fight out on a football field of all things. Uh, this uh-huh. one just featured a uh, eclectic mix of just um, thugs and murderers, such as uh, Eddie Kingston. <laughs> in Blazers. Um, in in blazers. blazers. Teddy Ingston, uh, the best friends, Orange Cassidy, Chuck, and Trent, as well as Penta, um, they faced against the Blackpool Combat Club of uh, Moxley, Claudio, and Wheel of Yuta, teaming with the returning Santana and Ortiz. Um, yes, I love the I love the BCC Blazers. I was love like them. a little look at them. I was like, <laughs> wow, are they like the uh, British Mafia or something? Is this like the? Uh... I, I think that was the point. I was like, wow, this is looks yeah. badass. I was like, what what yeah. possible crimes are they gonna commit after this um, match? I loved I loved that Santana was wearing ring gear and Ortiz was just like street fight. He, he, he <laughs> looks like, like he was headed to the Bahamas. He was he was about to head on vacation. Like, he was like, Yo monkey, hurry up, gotta finish this match. Whoa. I'm gonna head on to the Kumandasal. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah. Uh, so the best friends come out, all three of them. Uh, this was followed by Eddie Kingston's music. Uh, he was accompanied by Penta, but Eddie didn't waste any time. He just made a beeline for Claudio. They met in the middle of the entrance way, and he and Claudio probably fought themselves each other through the majority of this contest. Mm-hmm. It was just chaos meets chaos in the beginning. Everybody was just wailing on each other. Um, as I mentioned, Claudio and Eddie eventually made their way into the uh, stands for the fans and into the uh, the um, I guess uh, into the back area in the hallways of the of the of the Wembley Stadium. Uh, let's see, Wheeler Yuta came out along with his blazer, a black, an ominous black bag, and you're like, oh shit, what do they have in there? <laughs> uh, at one point, I guess. Um, they're fumbling around the black bag, and I think it was Wheeler who pulled out a bundle of sharp sticks. Uh, skewers, 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 skewers. You normally use them for putting delicious kebabs. the meat kebabs on a barbecue for your summer barbecue, but no, this was apparently meant to use on human beings. Um, <laughs> Moxley and Penta faced off at at one at this point here. Moxley tried to use the uh, one of the skewers on Penta, but he got he got reversed, and then Penta basically took the entire bunch of uh, skewers and jammed it into Moxley's forehead. Yes, and he forgot to remove the tape around it, so <laughs> it didn't spread out like it's supposed to. And then Moxley just has like a bundle of skewers tied together, just sticking out of his head, and then the the tape like breaks, and then like seven of them just stay in his head. Yeah, <laughs> giving him this awkward mohawks mohawkish hairstyle. Yeah, I mean, this is the but uh, this this spot happens a lot in hardcore wrestling these days. Right. Uh, John Moxley just did this against El Desperado not too long ago. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, twice. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm trying to remember uh, now. At at one point, at at this point, we don't know what happened. Uh, Penta took a bad bump quote-unquote well uh was escorted to the back so yeah. well sean rossap reported like he during throughout the night he was adding notes to uh, the show and oh. he noted that uh penta was uh escorted and we found out why is so he could change his clothes <laughs> yeah. yeah costume change <laughs> costume change we'll get to that in a bit meanwhile uh so it, it would appear we were down one man but uh with this 
amount of people. Who the hell noticed the difference? Uh, uh, Eddie and Claudio were basically fighting all the way to the bar. To All a, the way I guess up a, the up the and, concourse into yeah. the mezzanine area, and then at uh, one point there was some random fan wearing a BCC T-shirt. I thought it was Lee Moriarty, and I was well, like, no, "Why is I, Lee I Moriarty?" Think that was, I think that was security because they were in a private um, oh, area. No, I and I've and not and and it's, this has nothing to do with the fact that this young man was a uh, African American, a uh, black, uh, black, but. I just saw mm-hmm. him and I thought it just looked like Lee Moriarty wearing a BCC. No, he was a security. He was wearing an AEW shirt. No, I gave us, and then I did a double take and I realized, oh, it was just a security guy. And I'm like, oh, well, okay, well, that's a brave security guy. I must, uh, uh, uh in this segment right now, because Eddie beat the crap out of him along with yeah. just everybody that moved. And then here we got Chuck Taylor and, uh, Trying to remember who he was. Uh, oh yeah, Wheeler, Wheeler, and Chuck Taylor were fighting in the back as well. And uh, umbrellas, umbrellas, umbrellas. It was like I was like thinking to myself, is this? Have they really sunk this low? Is this really a Mary Poppins reference I'm getting because they're in the UK? Yes. <laughs> Did you not see Guardians too? <laughs> I'm trying to remember Guardians of the Galaxy too, but uh, he seems. Uh, either way. Uh, anyway. Yeah, so all all over the place. Uh, forks. Uh, yes, branding Moxley, irons. Branding, branding irons. irons. Yeah, that was in the uh, beginning. I was like, what was that thing that John had in his hand? <laughs> it was a Terry Funk tribute. Branding yeah. irons. Uh, yeah. 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 The, um, yeah. Yeah. Terry Funk tribute. There was an earlier one too when CM Punk did a toe hold on Joe, but oh yeah, spinning mm-hmm. toes. Yeah, spinning toe hold. But, but yeah, yes, that um, is a more immediate one. The, Actually, the, I'm more. I'm. I for me, I'm more fitting Terry Funk tribute, and I'm really sad that Eddie didn't do this because the last time that we okay, so at at one point Eddie disappeared because I think Claudio put him through a table or oh no, he slammed him through a ball under the bar, and then we kind of didn't see him for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, I was thinking, oh shit. Please tell me Eddie's not gonna come up with a flamethrower or something like that. Because the last time <laughs> we didn't see Eddie Kingston during this kind of match, he came out looking like he was gonna murder Chris Jericho yeah, with gasoline did. and a lighter. Um, he, if he came out with a chainsaw, that would have been yeah, really yeah. He, he puts on the leather face mask and you know mm-hmm. revs the up leather the leather face mask. And I was like, <laughs> oh, this again. Looks like they let yeah. Jared book this portion again. Okay. Uh, yeah. no, he just came out with like a chair wrapped in barbed wire, yeah, which was like, mm-hmm. thank god, which I couldn't believe I was saying this to myself, thank god, it was just a chair uh, barbed wire. <laughs> Moxley brought the brought out the fork again. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the fork seems to be a new staple yeah, of his. The fork is, um, yeah. he seems to just have it, always have it in his pocket. Uh, don't forget the fork when you go to work. <laughs> don't forget the fork. You go when you're going out to the diner. You know you don't want to yeah. use those other. Imagine forks just are... just imagine like he he's like all right, uh, time to go to work, honey. Oh, don't forget your fork. <laughs> like, and then and then his daughter brings over daddy fork. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, just a lot of I I love these matches. Um, it, it's hard to like say whether they're like amazing or they're just fun to watch, but like. John Moxley, John Moxley has a blast every time he has one of these matches. You can just tell that he's just having so much fun. Um, of course, we got the we got the glass again. 
Um, but, but I think before that, as we mentioned, Penta went to do a wardrobe change, and yes. then suddenly he comes back out as Penta Obscuro, which is dark uh-huh. in Spanish, yes, and he's like, oh, he's oh, he's gone dark. back to dark Penta again. Yeah. And then this was a crazy spot that I remember now. He and Santana, because at that oh, yeah. at that point, at that point, the BCC and or uh, and the Proud and Powerful they had the upper hand. The crowd was screaming tables, and so uh, Ortiz was like, "Okay, okay. here's the table at ringside." <laughs> and then up the ramp at the body entrance, he got two ever. more tables. There was a there was the weakest ladder ever because <laughs> when Penta Obscuro came out, Penta started climbing the wrong side of the ladder. He started climbing the support side, not the side with the steps you're supposed to step on. <laughs> Meanwhile, Santana's on that side. Penta's climbing up the wrong side of a ladder. And yeah. I was like, at that point, it just snaps. And I'm like, well, they... duh, guys. And then they cut away, and then they were just on the ladder again, and he hit a sunset bomb. I, onto the <laughs> two tables. <laughs> onto the like, tables. Great. And great, then great. Uh, uh, Ortiz got superplexed into... Uh, Another set of tables. Yeah, I think um, by Trent. Yeah, there's yes. a there was this at this point. Uh, there's a lot of sequences going. We got really the return of Sue. Oh who, yes, uh, mm-hmm. Sue, Sue, Sue. Um, she Ronnie, had a tray of brownies. New van, by the way, <laughs> bought a new van. It looks like. I hope it's an yes. electric yeah. van. No, she she had bought a, a smorgasbord of uh, yeah. different treats. It yeah. seems like. like she even had yeah. some dipping sauces on there. It looked like. Yeah, yeah, and... and they started using the cookie sheets and just threw the brownies away. Which how about how hell? about before that? It appears <laughs> that John Moxley grabbed a kiss from Sue, and I was like, <laughs> with all the oh, blood man. on his face. Yeah, and I was like, well, that you, that didn't that you've didn't already make tortured Trent... that poor woman enough. That's not that did, that didn't make Trent very happy. No, it did not. That was probably. The turning of the tide at that point. <laughs> we we can we can probably put that one alongside the Tommy Dreamer Beulah McGillicuddy from uh, One Night Stand One from two thousand five. <laughs> as far as worst kisses ever is, is concerned. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um. But yeah. Um. Eddie Kingston eventually comes back out in the same. I, I think sort of in the same manner as Anarchy in the Arena the first time where. He's just walking down the ramp and holding a chair and beating people with the chair. And uh, he's bloodied all over his face. And he's got this, this Knicks jersey just drenched in everything. And um, him and Moxley are fighting it out back and forth in the ring. And he spears Moxley into uh, bar- a barbed wire uh, board. Yeah, before, before that, I think Claudio managed to grab orange and must have did the swing on him like 30 yeah like 30 times. 30 rotations or something yeah and then uh, there was a point when yeah eddie was fighting claudio again he turns around and he's staring at mox and they're doing that thing again where it's like i'm not gonna fight you they're like not they're they hate each other but not not fighting each other still yeah and then i think claudio at one point got back up and then eddie did his uh urican back fist on mm-hmm. claudio and then, and then he speared uh, moxley Orange Cassidy, like... yeah. Orange Cassidy yeah. gets um a bu- a plastic bucket with a bottle. So, in. well, even before that, he's going off the top rope. Uh, no, going off the the ropes, running, and Moxley just gets up and stabs him in the back of the head, <laughs> <laughs> and then stabs him repeatedly with the fork, right. and uh, that leads. That's that's kind of where Eddie came out, and uh. He hit multiple orange punches on Claudio, but Claudio still kicked out. 
And that's where he brings in the bucket of glass and he wraps duct tape around his hands, but puts the sticky side facing up and then just digs his hand into a bucket of glass and is going. (laughs) He had a whole bottle in this bucket and then he threw the bottle back into the bucket to smash it, supposedly. Um, I, I, the bucket was plastic, so I'm not really quite sure (laughs) how that worked. Um, but uh, tough bucket, I suppose. Um, yeah, he, he, he dips the fist into the uh, the the um, uh, the bucket of glass, and the, um, this is the same hand that has been like <clears throat> bothering him since the uh, the Buddy Matthews match. Uh, and he uh, eventually hits the uh, orange punch with the glass-covered hand on Claudio and gets the victory. And um, while uh, Kingston and Moxley are laying in this board of barbed wire, Moxley, uh, Kingston just has his hand over Moxley's head with his middle finger up. (laughs) Yes, you you sent a tweet out and I'm like, this has got to be one of the more iconic photos that AEW will save in their archives because this was just like the cap of uh, capstone ending that we were looking for this. Um Tanner, yeah I think your, yeah. your dog is trying to uh, uh join yeah, the, she, she's trying to join she, the she, uh, she wants she wants in on the show. I'm yeah hey hey yeah, uh, what, I'm not sure what your name is dog but what do you think <laughs> of the uh, stadium stampede match? <laughs> Well, it, what she told me earlier was that she found that um, the the real heroes to this was was the best friends. I mean, we we constantly see that they are projected as a kind of a joke, um, not very. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they, they're they're well received, but they're they're never like in contention for anything. They're never really like out in front. I mean, it's Orange Cassidy. He, he's obviously the star. Um, yeah. But to see the three of them walk away in such an iconic fashion at the end of the match uh, was was really the the cat's meow for me, or or for for Millie rather the the dog. Yeah. That's what that's yeah. what her opinion was. Yes. Um, people have been saying for a while that John Moxley deserves a vacation. Uh, I think Orange Cassidy deserves a vacation. <laughs> oh, I feel so. <laughs> So now that so Orange Cassidy, he's now he's pinned Claudio, which is which is an interesting caveat because you know very few people have been able to pin the ROH World Champion. But now there, I think some of us have been predicting that um, next Sunday at All Out, um, it's going to be John Moxley versus uh, Orange Cassidy for the international title. Well, he's also defending the belt on Wednesday. <laughs> uh, hold on, I may have missed that. Is he is he doing that against Moxley? I can't remember. Uh, they didn't. I don't think they named anybody, but they did okay. say he's defending the belt on Wednesday. Oh boy, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Orange can't catch a break, can he? Like he needs a he needs a vacation. <laughs> this does bring up a very good point in that uh, next year they really do need to space these shows out, all in and all out. Well, they, yeah, they I don't. I do not agree. Single. I do not agree with having two pay per views. Uh, on two consecutive Sundays, that is that is not uh, financially feasible for most fans, well, um, and it just doesn't work for the story. Even if you yeah, can, uh, you I know, mean, afford it. 
I think you're just, I mean, obviously going into All Out, they built the TNT title match and the Miro Hobbs match, but not knowing what the rest of the card is when you're already a week out is not yeah. not good. Obviously, you're gonna call you're gonna make all the matches on Wednesday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. And that's uh so I'm crazy. just looking I'm just looking at um a list of matches here. And apparently at all out, um there's five matches currently listed besides the ones we've heard about Miro and Hobbs. Chris Statlander versus Ruby Soho for the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. title. They, they, they announced um, that one, yeah. TNT title. Uh, Darby will take on Luchasaurus, the champion, the actual champion. Um, mm-hmm. Looks like Orange Cassidy will be defending either against Penta or John Moxley because I guess John Moxley and Penta are going to have a match. Possibly. Uh, like, yeah. And the winner will face uh, Orange. So that, that'll most definitely be John Moxley. Yeah. And I assume that John Moxley will be winning that match. Right. I mean, yeah, as Orange said, I think Orange at one point said, I'm just so tired. And I think he, he's been, at he's this been, point, he is. He, I think he deserves he's, it. He's been saying that in every interview. Yeah. <laughs> but just to, uh, but just to uh, add to your guy's point about this way to space out all in and all out, I think, I don't know, man. I, I wouldn't mind if they just like, I, it's kind of hard for me to say, I wouldn't mind if they just canceled all out. Because if they're gonna have mm. all in, there you go. There, just, there's your there's your September, August, late August, September, fall pay per view, right? There you go. Just, just maybe have all out as like um, almost like the what was it, the Grand Slam, you know? Uh, mm. Or maybe uh, just rename it. it down the road, all in and out. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> just... Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh... Yeah, they got to figure something out. I mean, even if it means like moving all out like to October. Like yeah. that that I mean feels like it would be better. Um cuz I I mean at that point then you're having three consecutive pay-per-views per in a, in 3 months cuz you have all in I guess technically you're having all in at the end of August, early September, all out in sometime in october and then uh full gear in november yeah and then um, that actually could work in down the road because let's let's look at the normal calendar year you got revolution double or nothing uh forbidden door then you go to yeah. all in all out and then full gear and there you go yeah that's six yeah i feel like that would make the most sense but i i, I feel like this is a trial thing where they're going to see what happens with this uh two weekends in a row of pay-per-views um, and go from there. I mean, we were all kind of expecting All In to be on some other platform where we didn't have to pay $50 to watch it. Um, <laughs> but that's besides the point. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm excited for a one-on-one between Moxley and Orange. Okay. Um, just... Because we're a little short on time, just and this was a this was a very top heavy show. <laughs> yeah, we had like we had like the the four or five most important matches at the beginning, other than the main event. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of that, we're moving on to the four way match for the AEW Women's World Championship. Uh, this was a pretty short match. Um, Shikaru Shida is the champion coming in defending against Soraya, Tony Storm, and Doctor Britt Baker, DMD. 
Um, Soraya and Tony, they they look like they were uh, aligned in the beginning, obviously, because they're part of the same group. Uh, but that quickly fell apart. And I just, you know, and like, Mike, you and I did the um, uh, state of the women's uh, division across all wrestling companies recently. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were complaining how there are good matches, but there's no real story. I thought at least in this match, there was a good story being told here. Well, yes, they created like, the story like, throughout. Yeah, the like match. they had the they had the typical four women kind of like break down, and then obviously Soraya and Tony would team up against Britt and Sheeta in the beginning. And yes. then at one point, and then I think things started breaking down. When I started paying, uh, perking up and paying uh, attention, was so when Soraya and Tony tried to pin, I yeah. guess, Britt at the they, same they, time. They both they both went for the pin at the same time, and Soraya was like, "This is what we talked about." This is what we talked about. And, 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 and Tony's like, oh, "Well, even before that, we you forgot to mention, uh, Soraya came out to We Will With- Rock You." Oh, you know what? I may have missed that little bit, but I did see that she came out with her family. So she came out with her family to "We Will Rock You" by Queen. Okay, and then that's what you, okay. Tony Storm came out to "God Save the Queen." <laughs> not not okay. the Sex Pistols version, but the original version. Okay, so, I gotta, but, I gotta yeah, look did, at that, man. I yeah. I totally missed that part. Yeah, but they, they didn't have absolute... to pay for that song. Uh, no, like that's no. "God that's, Save the Queen" is publicly it's a public domain public, public domain. It song, is yes. literally one of their national anthems. But, but that made me laugh because I'm like, what? What is Tony Storm doing? <laughs> no, no, this is great because her character has just descended. As yeah. I mentioned before, Mike, last time to you yeah. when we were doing our pod, was that she's turned into the 1950s jilted, um, washed yeah. up, washed up movie star, and it's just like, yeah, it was, it, was very, it was very funny. So well, yeah, it's, so it's, it's point, also quite, it, it's also quite cheeky because she's Australian. Uh, and uh, you know the the concept of an Australian queen of Britain uh, is, <laughs> is quite uh, it, it's quite funny. Yeah, and I'm, yeah, I'm, that's, uh, you know, the, the the Brits would probably feel really uh, crappy about it. I think anyway, yeah. So uh, yeah, that and then and then of course they we just mentioned they were trying to pin Brit at the same time, and then they're like, okay, okay, that's not what we talk about. Look, this is what we talk about. And they're, like, and they're arguing, and they're like, oh boy, this is where it breaks down now. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, her character, they do... her character is. Sorry, I was gonna say her character is very like late career Betty Davis kind of thing, uh, which is uh... yeah. And, and but, at this, <laughs> but at one, but at this point, they basically moved the match to the outside, and then I think, um, Tony, and then. She was about to take a shot at Brit, who was being held down by the original Soraya, uh, Soraya's mom. Um, she missed. Uh, Tony basically punched Soraya's mom in the face, knocked her on her ass. Um, and this just set Soraya off. And then just like, you look at Soraya's face and it was just like, oh my God. Um, and then Soraya just went to town on Tony. And then we finally get a uh, proper four way match. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, uh, I'm sorry, I don't remember. And Tanner, you did mention that you 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 have to leave in a bit, but uh, we'll try to wrap this up as quickly as we can. Um, yeah, no so worries. Ray, uh, spot, yeah, so, spot of the match. Spot yes. of the match is where uh, Soraya has her submission, which I don't think has oh, a name yes. in AEW, but she has her submission on. Uh, on Tony and uh Brit just comes in and does a brutal looking stomp 
Oh yes. Uh, out of the submission hold. It was, am- it was st- amazing. And Tony still kicked out, which was also amazing. Yeah, of course. Of course he did. Oh, uh, yeah. We also, met, I also forgot to mention, at one point, Ruby Soho came out. I think she tried to uh, play Peacemaker. This mm-hmm. did not work. And and I completely understand. Ruby just like, oh, yeah. Okay, you guys are on your own. I've got a TBS title match next week. Goodbye. So she just left. Yeah. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, so it just started to break down between uh, the right. outcasts and, yeah. and uh, we get, yeah, we Sheeta, get the, um, Sheeta and she, Brit facing off against each other. Yeah, and then she, and then we got to the point where Brit lo- was. I think she got the lockjaw in or tried she to get it. in. Spent like three minutes trying to get the lockjaw in, right. and uh, Sheeta wouldn't open her mouth. So Which is the, smart, yeah. great counter, then, great counter, yeah. right? Uh, I was like, so, oh wow! Wait, don't open your mouth! Wow, really? So they're <laughs> just rolling around and encountering, like, into a pin or back into this mission. And in the background, uh, Soraya sprays Tony in the face and hits with the spray paint that they, they've been using on yes anybody else, <laughs> and uh, hits the uh, rampage that is now called the Nightcap, and gets the victory. While Brit was still trying to tap out. Sushida, yes. Sushida. The, the, so, the, the actual champion not involved in the match. But yes. as you said, Mike, when we talked about this, you predicted that Soraya was going to get the pin. And Tony. And it was going to be on Tony. And yeah. Yeah. Happened. Yeah. Um, I have heard mixed feelings about the result because of Sheeta having a short reign here. Mm. But um, I think that without having Jamie Hayter here, they wanted uh, and Soraya having her family there and all of that. Um, they wanted something for the UK crowd to be uh, proud of. And that, that was this. Yep. Fun match. Uh, fun, I, fun yep, match. I'm very happy for Soraya. She got the hometown pop that she deserved and she won the world title. And it like, just, just think about it. And like just five years ago, I think her career was effectively over we thought or even just less than that and, and now she's a top champion in the company and arguably you could say this is the greatest moment of her career yeah even more when she was like divas champion or whatever she didn't she did can you name something she did at wrestlemania no i i, I struggle because uh by the time they had the like raw and smackdown women's titles she, uh, soraya was actively she, not competing anymore the the only mania match I think that she ever had was a multi person a tag match with uh yeah. with AJ against AJ, the Bella yeah. Twins, right? There you go. Uh, uh but yeah, this this was easily easily the biggest moment of her career with her family there in her home country. Mm-hmm. Uh, great moment for her. Yeah. Whether you agree with the result or not. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. Uh, let's see. We're gonna move on to the coffin match between. Darby Allen and Sting facing um, Swerve Strickland and now Seek Christian Cage. Seek and destroy. King. Yes. Seek and destroy. Yes. So yeah, uh, when I heard that, I was like, "Oh shit!" They really retro rewind back to TNA, and then I was like, "Oh wait, WCW. hold on, is this yeah or WCW?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh yeah, this is a Metallica song. I wonder how much Metallica charges for this kind of thing, unless this song was a like, lot." Oh, a lot. No, the Metallica songs are not public domain. They own really? every single one of them, and they are a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, uh, this I, is obviously one of those one-offs that are, we're not going to yes. hear it for a while. Yes. Um, I would say this match was really brutal. Uh, some of the spots here was just wow, gross. Um, Darby, for some reason, he loves the having my wrist tied behind my back stuff, so he can like do <laughs> random spots with all his hands. Um, don't know why. Uh, ooh, what what else was here? Yeah. So I was confused in the beginning. I was like, wait, do you have to put both of them in the coffin or just one of them? I was like, looking at the coffin. I was like, that's not going to fit two people. It, it only fits one person. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Okay. I was like, even a tag match is only one person. But um, yeah, as uh, yeah, this match was originally supposed to be Swerve and AR Fox versus Thing and Darby, but uh, some yeah. extenuating circumstances prevented a Fox from... Uh, making the show so they not only wrote him out of the program they kicked him out of the group so something must have happened there but yeah that, that was weird that and was weird. uh Dar- and darby went full sting and just forgave him <laughs> oh okay actually in the beginning i forgot to mention this uh they did a very nice uh reference to jack the ripper because they had sting dressed as the the yeah. infamous murderer through the White Chapel, a, Dar- and a had, Darby home video Darby, thing. Yeah, Darby home video thing, and then Sting in that video basically had half his face painted as Joker Sting. So uh, mm-hmm. I think we got a bit of the Joker Sting in this uh, match. But uh, yes, whether it's Joker Sting or just regular Sting, it's still just crazy Sting because he's still taking these crazy spots off the top and into tables. Uh, um, w- once again, Sting did a splash onto a table and could not break the table. <laughs> <laughs> so they had and to make him do it again. So he went back on the apron and did a leg drop this time. <laughs> yeah. Um at one point Luchasaurus came out. Um, which I thought was as, interesting because Luchasaurus as expected. It was just interesting because Christian Cage sent Luchasaurus to the back when he first came out. And then he just yeah. comes out in the middle. I guess this is just to hype up his match with Darby next week. But then Nick Wayne comes out and attempts to use a skateboard to knock down the dinosaur and that mm-hmm. thing. And poor Nick Wayne, 18 year old kid, gets chokeslammed onto the skateboard. And then, and then Luchasaurus away. carries him away, doing who got doing God knows what afterwards. Um, oh no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, I'm trying to remember now. Okay. I'm, I'm moving on to the closing spots of this match. Uh, Swerve at, at, at one point basically uh, does his swerve stomp on the sting. Um, and then he's got about throw sting into the casket. He throws the bat that sting usually carries around into the casket with him, slams the lid and... shut. But oh no, <laughs> the bat's still sticking out. The bat prevents the. And this yeah. is going to move on to another thing that ended the match, which I think, which I think Tanner pointed out later, which probably yeah. makes no sense to some people. So the bat prevents the lid from uh, closing. Um, uh, crazy Darby bump, uh, coffin drop onto the coffin. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, before this, Darby was just being manhandled by Christian. I think he got like, I'm trying to remember. He he took one crazy bump that I thought would just kill the kid. I thought he was going to come back in because it was uh-huh. essentially, essentially ended up being a handicap match. But yeah, Sting puts Swerve onto the coffin, and Darby does he 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 coffin drops. Swerve while he's on the coffin. Swerve goes in, throws him in. Lid closes. Oh, they win. But wait, 
I saw a couple of Swerve's dreads sticking out. So doesn't that mean, by that yeah. logic, the match should have continued? But apparently you here... You wouldn't, yeah, you, wouldn't do that. you wouldn't do that for everybody's hair. I think that was just to <laughs> indicate that it's Swerve in the coffin. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean the 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 end of the coffin where his hair was uh, sticking out. I mean was was blatantly open. So I mean, in I mean honesty, it was also it... it was also dented. That's true. <laughs> I mean, Darby jumped on it like multiple times. Yeah, like, <laughs> multiple times. Yeah, crazy, and I think this uh, this match. I mean, even really... Sting jumped on top of the casket at one point. <laughs> <laughs> that casket was like destroyed. I was like. I'm surprised yeah. it was functioning by the time it ended. Sting um, is so, a crazy old man yep. doing crazy things. Darby is Darby. Yeah. And Chris, Christian was kind of just there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. He was, I was like very confused about his involvement, but I'm like, not so much because this ties into all out where Darby gets. I, a I, I saw multiple people jokingly tweet, Hey, look, Adam Copeland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 oh my god. Anyway. Uh I mean that would have been the perfect match cue for that to happen. I mean it <laughs> it did seem like there was a little bit especially with with a swerve towards the end after he had put Sting in the coffin, you know, he was kind of ambling around like building tension and it was like mm-hmm. Well, if there was ever a hell of a time for Adam Copeland to arrive, I mean, this would be it. But there's no, mm-hmm. there's just no way in hell that that's going to happen. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, it, uh, it was much. funny. But um, yeah, so uh, got so... over in the coffin match. Um, not surprising. I mean, I yeah. was. It, it did look like at one point they may actually lose, but I was thinking to myself, this is his match, so there's no way he's losing his own match. Um, yeah, so this. Obviously, it's going to lead to All Out next week where Darby gets his title shot against Luchasaurus. Um, and we'll see Christian. how he... Yeah, and Christian. <laughs> no, we'll see how Christian. he holds up. Not Christian. But obviously, uh, Christian will be involved. So, uh, we got to let Tanner go. He said he had yeah. to go by seven. So, yeah. uh, and Tanner, thanks, thanks for, thanks thank for you stopping for joining by. Us at this last, <laughs> in the, this impromptu uh, um, review for you. I know it was kind of last minute, but we really thank you for joining us. Hey, it was a pleasure, guys. Thank you guys for uh, squeezing me into this, and I uh, can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about the rest of the show. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right. See you later, right. dude. Thank you. Y'all take care. Here. Okay, uh, so, uh, Mike, we've got, we're, we're coming up to the end here, so we've got the last three matches left. Yes. Next one is the, um, I guess, the, you know, the, um, the dream match, or whatever you're going to call it. Um, Chris Jericho facing Will Ospreay. Uh, Chris came out with Sammy Guevara. Will came out with obviously oh, Don Callis. Even before but that, before that, Chris, Jericho Jericho had to pander to the pander yes. to the crowd. He brought and... Judas. He brought the, his Fozzy live in Wembley Stadium playing Judas, and I was like listening to it, <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, I would rather just hear the normal recording of the theme. When well, even even before he started singing the song. He's pandering to the crowd and going, Dale. Oh my god. Yeah. I was like, like, what is that? I was like, stop. I mean, you're not at an actual concert. You're singing your theme song and that's it. Stop yeah. it. It's like, it's like, you know, as Will, as Osprey said in one of the promos earlier, um, it was like, Rob, this ain't just you promoting your stupid band and getting you to play in Wembley, dude. He was like, yeah. I mean, he literally was doing that. 
Yeah, like, so okay. he so he sang to the ring, and it felt like I, I was very concerned that he was going to be winded for the match. <laughs> but uh, he he seemed to recover quite well. Um, he had Guevara in his corner as as we expected, and mm-hmm. Don Callis was here and didn't really do anything. Surprisingly, <laughs> I surprisingly not on commentary, although. I guess this he, was a... He, he was for the Kenny match, but... Yeah, he, he was for the Kenny match. Uh, he wasn't on commentary for this match, which no. I guess one one segment of Don talking would have been enough. Uh, this match started out, you know, okay, they they slapped each other in the face a lot, uh, which was expected. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they... Um, I'm, I'm struggling to remember the moves here. So I, mean... I have some... I have notes for this one. Okay. Um, so Osprey hit a drop kick early that knocked Jericho out of the ring. And then he hits the sky twister from mm. the top rope to the outside and like nails Jericho with it. Like it was, a, it was a good, uh, good move. Uh, Jericho um, gets back in and um, Osprey's on the apron and Jericho hits triangle drop kick. And, uh, then hits a baseball slide. Then hits a German suplex on the apron. Oh, that's it. Looked, I remember that looked, now. Yeah. Looked like it hurt like a lot. Um, Osprey was uh, sitting on the top rope, and uh, Jericho hits uh, ten punches, and then follows that up with a Frankenstein,er for a two count. Let's uh, remember that. Let's remember. Let's remember. Let's remember. Yeah. Let's remember Osprey is probably the baby face in this instance because even though he's playing the heel a bit um you know i mean i i don't think what they they were going to be surprised that this was the reaction i mean yeah well they they kind of like pivoted on the fly in this one and jericho was like flipping off the crowd and uh because they knew they knew that osprey was going to be over in the uk um Mm -hmm. but yeah uh that frankensteiner looked great um Jericho uh, was draped on the top rope after a few minutes uh, of fighting back and forth. And Osprey hits a shooting star press on the back of Jericho while he's draped on the top rope uh, and gets another two count. Um, Got an os cutter reversal into a mid-air backstabber. That, That is followed up by a code breaker for another near fall. Uh, Stormbreaker attempt that is reversed into a Hurricane Rana that looked really, uh, really good actually. Jericho um did it pretty seamless, seamlessly, and then turned that into the walls of Jericho. And while he was in the walls of Jericho, Sammy yes. Guevara gets involved and hits Osprey in the face with the bat. Yeah. And- <laughs> Osprey is just knocked out in the walls of Jericho. Yeah, and and then and, usually you think that's it, right? <laughs> you know, if you can't yeah, answer um, the feet, then but uh, yeah, so uh, uh, no, no, the... yeah, Aubrey was checking Aubrey. Well, I don't Aubrey, know why yes. I was, couldn't couldn't remember yeah, her name. She was Aubrey checking was Osprey, doing... see if he would respond after three. Uh, three yeah, counts. she was doing she was doing the arm lift for yep. three thing, and, and then Osprey got, yeah. Osprey got out of it. Osprey got out of it. Osprey got out of it, and um, at one point they, I, I can't, I, I didn't have this written down, but at one point they hit like a Spanish fly, uh, off the top rope, and 
Jericho tries to like follow that up by hitting his own os cutter, but it kind of looks weird. Mm-hmm. I, I guess he didn't get enough air. Well, it was like a combo Judas effect os cutter, or, or, or yeah. no, 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 you're right. Yeah, the os he tried to hit an os cutter and it looked yeah. kind of awkward. Like, oh, um, okay. but at one point he does hit the uh Stormbreaker, Jericho kicks out, then he follows that up with another os cutter, uh. Another Stormbreaker attempt, but then Jericho hits a low blow Judas effect to count. Um, and this is where um, Osprey gets back into it. Uh, hits a, I, I believe this is where he hit another Os cutter, then hit the Hidden Blade, and then hit the Stormbreaker again to get the victory. Yeah, um, so not as my recollection, not as intense or probably. Not not intense, intense or high quality as the match of Omega at Forbidden Door, but yeah, the ending almost is similar. You know, he had to hit the Stormbreaker a couple of times, I think, to yeah put over um, put away Jericho. So my that's my only issue with this match. I don't think that Jericho, in particular, should be kicking out of the Stormbreaker. Um, Kenny Omega is a different story. Kenny Omega is on another level right now. Jericho hasn't been on that level for a while. Um, maybe that's just nitpicky, but um, I I enjoyed this match. I I thought it was very fun. I thought Jericho looked good for the most part, except for that weird Oscutter attempt. Um, after the match, uh, Guevara gets in the ring and uh, tries to console Jericho, and Jericho kind of. Uh, uh, is mad that he lost mm. and uh, shoves uh, Guevara away and leaves. And Guevara is left in the ring wondering why he still supports Chris Jericho. Yeah. So I assume yeah. they're going to go to Dynamite and 2.0 is going to be like, see, we told you. He doesn't care. He doesn't want you around and whatever. Yeah, so, it's all it's just about Jericho. He, he never appreciated us. Yeah. I mean, which is ironic because the whole group was the Jericho Appreciation Society. That was the whole purpose of it, right? So but I guess yeah. over time, when you feel like you've uh, paid your dues long enough, you feel like you know you deserve to have some and Sammy Guevara doesn't need Chris Jericho anymore. Yeah. I always, so I thought it was weird that he still he was still hanging around over the last couple of weeks leading to this match of Osprey because I thought they he, he just said, look, I'm your friend, but, you know, I'll be here when you need me, but you know what? You do your own thing. And then suddenly he's back well, to his side again. Yeah, I so guess because like, he didn't want to see him get beat up by Takeshita and Osprey. Okay. But, uh, um, but still, it's like Guevara's past this. And, and, we, and he's gotten away from Jericho numerous times and then just come back. Just stop. Just stop going back. <laughs> Do your own thing, like go for the international or something. Stop, like stop this. Yeah, you're like a former what two, three time TNT champion, three time like... TNT champion. Oh. You don't need Jer- you didn't need Jericho during that. Why do you still need Jericho? Yeah. <laughs> so so, uh, so um, the other thing I guess is popping up is because uh, we heard that Will Osprey's contract with New Japan is going to come up in six months or less mm-hmm. than that. Now, so they kind of talked up a little bit about the pending free agency. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at this point, is it 
I mean, is it really that big a thing if like New Japan and AEW are with this close working partnership? Uh, I guess not really, but I guess it fully depends on whether Osprey is willing to move to America. Right, because it's like, uh, you know... He, well, I mean, but also, like... Pac, Pac didn't move to America. He still lives in the UK. He just comes around when yeah. he's needed. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I, I'd be remiss to not mention like that it was unfortunate that he also had to miss this show because of injury. Um. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of people had to miss the show, unfortunately. Well, him and Jamie Hader are the big ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, um, it, it, I guess it's wait and see with Osprey. I mean, uh, he's still the IWGP United States champ, um, or uh, the IWGP United U- Kingdom U- champion, United Kingdom champ now. <laughs> or, but uh, um, as long as he is the champion. He's uh been on a roll. He he just in the last in a span of two months he beat Okada, Jericho, and Omega. Yeah, let's uh, uh, remember that's that. crazy. And he's been he has been my and still still to this day is my wrestler of the year, and that probably won't change. Um, he's been absolutely killing it with those Omega matches, uh, Okada match. Every he he's. He's on fire. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, would it be, it would be cool to have him in AEW full time. And I guess you would have like multiple iterations of United Empire in multiple companies. Hey, why not? Um, if Bullet Club can yeah. do it, why not? You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it, it really depends on whether he is willing to do that. Uh, I don't see him going to WWE. Um, because the only WWE match I really want to see out of him is Seth. And I don't see him going to WWE and feeling fulfilled. Yeah. Um there's there's a lot of people that I think you 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 think could go to WWE and they do fine. But I we we've seen how WWE treats guys that look like Osprey. Uh, I mean, Osprey is a lot bigger than he was uh, like five years ago. But and would WWE treat him like a big deal? I would hope, but I I just don't see him going there. Yeah. Anyway, um, into the next fi- um title match that we have. So we're we're down to two title matches that we are remaining. The next one is the um um. For the AEW World Trios Championship, uh, the House of Black defending against uh, the acclaimed and badass Billy Gunn. Uh, it's under the House of Black's imposed uh, house rules and the stipulation that the acclaimed picked is no holds barred. Um, before the match uh, started, uh, House of Black's entrance came out. They came dressed in white and then Buddy Matthews held up Bray Wyatt's signature lantern he set it down on the floor, and then they made their way to the ring as the as the arena, as the stadium dimmed and darkened. And then you see, and then all the fireflies or the people with the lights uh, turned on were surrounding mm-hmm. the uh, uh, ring. And uh, very nice for uh, the commentary team to make a mention of uh, Bray Wyatt and uh, of course uh, yeah. that acknowledgement. I thought that was really cool. Um, and then the acclaim came out. Um, 
So there, we've been talking about, about Billy Gunn. He's got to come in as the badass, but I didn't really notice that much difference. I mean, uh, the only difference was they didn't do uh, Suzumi Daddy Ass in the beginning. They, uh, yep. Yeah, that was, the only di- that was the only difference. I mean, this match was uh, fine. I mean, you know, yeah. the big, I... big spots I noticed was Billy Gunn being uh, ganged up on by the House of Black, and he fought them off because this was really about him coming back from his uh redemption after uh seemingly yep. retiring uh he he kicked the he kicked out of the uh, the end which he had oh, yes, before yes yes uh, uh, oh that's before and... that julia hart inserted herself into this match and i just thought was hilariously take took these scissor me timbers from anthony Bowens. Mm-hmm. and i was when they were setting that up i was like no, they're not doing this. And then they did it. I'm like, oh, good lord. She's a wrestler. <laughs> she could take it. I was like, <laughs> I was like, half expecting. Is there some female that's gonna come out at this point to counter this? Because like she keeps uh-huh. interfering in these things. But yeah, yes, but, uh, Billy um... Gunn kicked out of uh, Malachi Black's spin kick. The end, uh, which was surprising. Um, yeah. I was uh, pleasantly surprised that Brody King was the guy who ate the pinfall here mm-hmm. after a couple of um, acclaimed. Uh, yeah, uh, so they so they they hit the arrival in the elbow drop and he kicked out. Yeah, and then um, they he uh, Billy Gunn hit a famouser and then they did the arrival in the elbow drop again, mm-hmm. and then they like all three of them covered. Yes, him all the three of them time. covered. Yeah, and, and uh, if, they got the uh, yeah, win. Um, I, I, I was expecting this kind of a conclusion after the way they, they yeah, used. I mean, the way they built up the Billy Gun return and uh, all that, I fully expected them to win. I just didn't think that um, this is how House of Black should have lost the belts, but it is what it is. Um, I'm happy that Billy gets one more title, I guess, and when he's ready to call it quits, I, I assume after they lose these or whatever, uh, then that's fine. Um, but this match was fun for what it was. Uh, Buddy looked good as he always does. Malachi looked good. Everybody, everybody performed well in this match. Um, and uh, yeah, it was definitely uh, different from all the other times these two teams yeah. faced. After the match, uh, House of Black actually took the titles first, and then mm-hmm. slowly just walked up and handed them to the Acclaim and Billy Gunn, and then walked out. Yep. Sign Which, of respect. Uh, sign of respect. Um, to be honest, we still don't really know what Malachi whispered to Billy Gunn to kind of made him take his boots off and look <laughs> like he wanted to retire. I always wonder. I mean, I mean, I mean obviously, it, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pre, um, you know, it's a book. It's a like a predetermined show. So he got to whispering, "Billy, I gotta go to the bathroom." Could be in anything, right? So, <laughs> but it was like, what is the story behind that? It was so curious to me. And I guess you know, and it just kind of ended like that. I'm like, well, oh, okay. So you know, hoping that the acclaim will get a and okay, let's just say, yeah, let's uh, hoping the acclaim that Billy will get a good run all this because uh, you know they're really yeah. charismatic uh-huh. guys. They probably got the largest. Scissor me, daddy ass in the in history with eighty thousand people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll see where this goes. I I mean I don't know who they who who are they gonna feud with now. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know. This? I mean, you've got you know who's who's still wandering. The, around. You got the BCC, the best friends, the 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, I mean, while while Orange already has a belt and Claudio already has a belt, I don't really expect. I mean, MJF has two belts, but that's besides the point. But um, I don't know. I I honestly don't know who else you you have. I mean, you could start using Dalton Castle on the boys more, I guess. Um, uh, but yeah, they gotta figure out this trios division stuff and. I mean, there's no reason to have two trios belts. <laughs> but we've had this conversation before. Yeah. Anyway, um, we're, we're, we're coming up to the uh, end here. So this is our main event. Yes. Uh, uh, the, the second once again, match of it's, the show. Once again, yeah. Uh, the, the, the two guys involved were in the beginning of our podcast and the show. And now they will end the show. As opponents, as the newly mm-hmm. crowned Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions, better than you, baby, MJF will defend his Triple B AEW World Title against Adam Cole. Uh, yep. MJF came out to his signature devil entrance with his devil mask and uh, um, devil um, worshippers, uh, devil worshippers, the uh, ladies in the mask, and uh, uh, yeah. It so, was, um, so, it was so at the beginning of the match. At the beginning of the match, they kind of just stopped and like went under the ring. Went, went under their, the ring and put on their shirt. Put on their shirts. And they started the match in their shirt as a sign of solidarity, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. Uh, and MJF kind of just like, all right, let's uh, let's do this uh, sportsmanship. Let's let's uh, and he starts a sportsmanship chant and then immediately thumbs him in the eye. <laughs> And this did not make Adam Cole very happy. So Adam Cole was just like, all right, we're, we're playing like that. And he slaps him in the face. So from this point out, Adam Cole was pretty much just like in the zone. Like, I don't care about friendship. I don't care about anything. I want that belt. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I um, really felt like I was taken on an emotional roller coaster through this whole thing because it's like you'd expect um, two belts Maxwell to be the guy that turns on Adam Cole because he's the heel. This is his natural inclination, but it's yeah. like it looks like Adam's being a jerk here. It's okay, like he's the one using like eye rakes and like yes. dirty tactics. Uh, and like... He was spending, like I said, he he was in the zone the entire oh, yeah. time. And, he and... wanted this belt, and exactly. the whole and... time MJF was the one who was hesitating, and MJF was the one who was like, "Do I really want to do this to my friend?" Like the whole match. Because... Yeah, let's go, let's go to a spot like the the table spot where the table was um basically supported by like a steel beam, so it wasn't going to collapse. MJF was yes. going to tombstone pile driver Adam onto it, and then he stopped himself, and then Adam turns around and does this, and then and just goes and through, just goes does it, it without even thinking. Does it? And I was just like, does it without even thinking? Hell? It was and like this was the a guy. Same... This was a guy that months ago was came back. And just told us he wasn't even sure if he was going to wrestle again, let alone like live, right? And we were all feeling sympathetic for this guy. And now he's the one like trying to kill his best friend, essentially, just for this. So, uh, just like earlier in the in the tag match, um, MJF teases going for a dive, and oh, yes. um, he hesitates the first time, and because he hesitates, Adam Cole hits him with a super kick. Mm. Um. Later on, he goes for it again, and this time he hits a uh, Tope Suicida and then brings Cole back in for a two-count. Um, 
So they, they trade pins and uh, double down. You know, they're both doing uh, going down and running and all that. And MJF catches Cole into the powerbomb position and hits that powerbomb back, backbreaker that he does, which I love yeah. uh, for another near fall. Um, MJF tries to go for the Panama Sunrise, but it's reversed and Cole hits the Heat Seeker on MJF. Yeah. Uh, MJF gets his foot on the ropes and um, outside they go to the steel steps and Ooh, without yeah. without even thinking about it, without even like, oh, okay, I don't care, this is my friend, without even thinking about it, Adam Cole just does a brain buster on the edge of the steel steps <laughs> and MJF is literally like laying there dead. Like not moving and he first starts moving when the ref gets to nine <laughs> i'm and, like i was like what and i thought this makes no sense you want to like, win the title yeah why would you do like, why would you wait do a count that, that's that's out? immediately where my head was going like okay like, what the he's hell? getting he's 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 getting to seven eight what is Adam Cole doing? He wants yeah. to win the belt. Get, get like, out there and bring him back in the ring. I was like, did they add a stip where the title can change hands by counter? I don't remember that. No, <laughs> they like, absolutely did not. So, so stuff like that <laughs> uh, doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I don't, and I don't then, get that at all. And I don't know if there's any other spots you want to add this, Mike, but I just um, jokingly tweet. Okay, I just jokingly tweeted to you and Tanner during when we we're watching. I was like, well, actually, I tweeted this out. Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be funny if they both called for double clothesline during this match? Because <laughs> you usually call for that if you're in a, if they're doing an attack, they're a tag team, right? But like they do do it. They call for the double clothesline, and they basically mm-hmm. clothesline each other. Double like the pin. double close double pin. Bryce counts both of them. He actually used both his hands because he was yep. acknowledging that they're pinning each yeah. other. So and they're like, he, he, oh. he tells, and then he tells Justin Roberts that, oh, it's it's a draw. And Adam Cole gets on the mic like he did like, the first no, time they faced. Yeah, exactly. And he goes, five more minutes. And, and then, MJF is like, MJF no, goes, we're not, you're not just getting five more minutes. We're going to we're gonna go until we get a winner in fucking Wembley. And then that's when yeah, everybody yeah. is like, oh my God. Okay, here we go. Yeah, so we basically so, got uh, match number two of this meeting. So this the match show. restarts. And restarts, at one yeah. point... Um, Probably my favorite spot of the entire match. The ref gets a run into, and MJF grins to the camera and goes outside and gets a chair. Yes, because the devil is all to play. So he goes to use the chair, but Adam Cole sees that he has the chair. And they basically hot potato the chair (laughs) while the ref is getting up. And Adam Cole is just like, all right. And he goes to do the Eddie Guerrero and lays down. And uh, and then Cole uh, is laying down, and MJF just is like, "Oh, okay," and he just puts the chair around his own head, and then lays down. <laughs> Which is Adam funny Cole... because while Adam was still trying to play dead, he looks up, and he's like seeing, "Oh no!" And then Bryce turns around, and I'm like, "Here's the other. I guess maybe I'm overthinking this, but like, why didn't you just stay lying down?" And Max yeah. is there lying down with the chair around his head. When and Bryce then, comes to, he's gonna be just confused. He's not gonna blame yeah, anybody because you're both unconscious. I, he's like, he's gonna really wonder what the hell you guys did. That's why I didn't understand why Adam Cole was doing that. 
just just go with it and see what happens. But I I really uh, wonder like, did anybody like go over this with Tony and tell him, uh, "Hey boss, uh, this doesn't make sense. Here's why." So so Adam Cole uh is pleading with the ref like, "Oh no, I didn't use the chair," and uh MJF uses that moment to go for a surprise roll up. Roll up. Yep. But he gets a uh, two counts. And um, from there, uh, another heat seeker for a two count by MJF. Then Cole recovers and hits the Florida Keys on the apron, which is that uh, um, uh, arm trap German suplex. And um, MJF is out again, hits another Panama Sunrise on the floor, then brings him into the ring for another near fall. Uh, from there, the um, Cole goes for the Panama again, this time in the ring. But MJF pulls the referee in the way, and Bryce eats the Panama Sunrise. I was like, <laughs> that is a most creative ref bump I have. It's one thing for you to be in the way while he's like clotheslining you or like kicking you in the face or like spearing you by accident. It's another thing for you to just just bend down while you're waiting for someone to accidentally hit you with a, basically yeah. a code red slash Canadian destroyer. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the ref is now down because Adam Cole hit him with the Panama sunrise. Adam Cole feels bad because he didn't mean to, but you know, <laughs> forward momentum just happens and he didn't, uh, couldn't stop himself from hitting the move. <laughs> and um, at this point, MJF is sitting in the corner and he goes to put the ring on. But once yeah, again, once again, he hesitates and he's like, I don't want to win this way. This guy is my best friend, blah, 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 whatever. So he, d- he throws the ring away. And this is where Roderick Strong comes out. Still yes, wearing Roddy, the ne- Roddy, the simp strong, the weird ex-girlfriend vibe strong. Anyway. Still wearing the neck brace. Still wearing the fucking neck Tra- brace. Got on a plane with it. Um, and he tells Adam Cole to use the belt. And um, he doesn't want to use the belt. Uh, well, this was after Roderick Strong hit MJF with a low blow. And then he tells him to use the belt, but he didn't want to use the belt. He uh, just he capitalizes by hitting uh, another Panama Sunrise and then lower lower the boom. And the ref takes forever to get up and count the pin like the, the, the crowd counted to like 12 before Bryce started counting. And well, he, he had to call. He had to call all the way to an angle where he can see Max's shoulders. Just starts counting like one count, yeah. and then you must have counted like five seconds in between the second and count. Five, yeah, and then there's like, like you said, like five seconds in between one, two, yeah. and then MJF kicks out. And this is where I, I, I got, I got it confused. This is where Roderick Strong is like telling Cole to use the belt. And he's thinking about it, he's thinking about it, and he's like, oh, I don't want to. And Roderick Strong gets mad and runs away, and uh, 
MJF surprises Cole with a roll-up and gets the victory. Yeah, I noticed that before uh, this happened, that as Roddy was um, leaving, uh, it was a, there was a, a, I saw from the far end, the entrance uh, way, I saw two guys walking out. I was like, oh, the kingdom's coming out. And I was thinking to myself, hmm, are they doing a run in here? But no, they haven't mm-hmm. touched anybody yet. All they've done is console Roddy Strong because he's all sad and mopey. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yes, so while so Max gets during, a roll up win, and um, I so, think it's so really, during, yeah. during the celebration, uh, MJF looks at the belt and then looks at Adam Cole sitting in the corner, dejected because he lost. And he puts the belt down and goes to console Adam Cole. Yes. And he's like, he's like, listen, we're, 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 we still have these. We're, it's okay. You, you put up a good fight. Anybody could have won. Mm-hmm. And Cole kicks the tag title away. And MJF immediately goes like, oh, it was always about that thing. You, you wanted that. And you didn't, you never cared about me. Oh, well then if that's the case, I don't want it. And He's like, you yeah, know what? He throws the world title at at Adam Cole at Adam. He's like, you have it, man. You have it. I don't want. And it. he's like, he's you know what? Here, you're gonna do it anyway. And he turns around and he's expecting Cole to hit him with the belt. Right. And this is where Roderick Strong returns and goes. He's like cheering on Cole to do it after he lost. <laughs> and Cole thinks about it, thinks about it, and he's like, no. I'm not going to do it. They hug again. Yes. And Adam Cole and MJF closed the show celebrating as MJF is still the world champ and yes. they and together the, the fireworks go off for like the 10th time. Uh and they I was expe- are... I expected Cole to have belt beamed Roddy in the face of the AEW title at that point, but I guess mm-hmm. They haven't gotten to that point yet. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah. Um, so they're still friends. Uh, MJF is still the world champ. They are now the RLH World Tag Team Champions, as we yeah. spoke about at the beginning. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see where it goes from here. Um, obviously, we have to address the elephant in the room at some point that there is a quote-unquote real world champion on the other yeah. show. Um. And we we had no signs of that at the end of the show, um, but uh, yeah. Um, all in all, I absolutely loved this show. Uh, I think it's great that AW officially has their own WrestleMania, and as we mentioned earlier, they're doing it again, same venue, same weekend. Yep, next year. Yep, next year, August 25th, 2024, back at Wembley Stadium. So uh, if you're listening and if you want to try to try to make it to all in next year, you have your chance at the same place. So start same climbing building, out. <laughs> same, same building, same everything. Um, but yes, I, as I mentioned, absolutely love this show. Um, this, uh, other than some like questionable results, uh, in maybe like one or two of the matches, I have nothing but praise for the show. Absolutely yeah. loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I I I tend to agree. This was very well done. You know, they had very high expectations. 
in the beginning. Like when those numbers started climbing for the ticket sales, I was like, wow. I mean, I was so used to AEW being just between 10 to 20,000 people. Now they're hitting, this is, these are WrestleMania numbers. I was like, can they actually do this? And so they, their, their final tally and, you know, this is not confirmed yet, but 81,035 people essentially was their attendance record. That was mm-hmm. announced before the show was over. So, and as far that's... as we know, that is not fabricated. Yeah, that that, um, is, that is the number. Um, WWE tends to fabricate their uh, attendance by like thirty thousand. <laughs> um, they, I mean, WrestleMania thirty-two. They said they had a hundred and one when they really only had eighty. So, um. Yeah, uh, this was a hell of a show, and like, and as we mentioned earlier, I, I don't know how it's gonna go over having another show, another pay per view, exactly one week from today, uh, time of recording, right after the show, exactly one week from today, we have all out, and obviously, uh, that's fine, right? I, I, I think this is going to be a test. They're going to see how many people will pay for both. And I think they're going to be disappointed. <laughs> yeah. So as I said earlier in this uh, show, maybe at some point they either just remove all out or just merge it to become one big thing. Just move it. Just yeah. move it somewhere. And, and, the, and the, the road to AEW having six pay-per-views a year, I think it's, it's happening. It's no longer as... Uh, in dispute um it's it's a thing that will happen based on what i said earlier yeah. and hopefully it'll be better for the better and uh with that uh thank you very much everyone for listening to uh our a uh, aw all in london at wembley review yeah. um yeah thank uh, you to tanner T- thank, thank you to tanner, tanner for, for joining, us. joining us uh and uh if you want to continue to support the show you can go to our link tree uh, link tree slash going over big time podcast where you can get all the ways to listen to this show as well as our social medias and um, look out for what we have coming in the future I won't say what it is we will we will announce it when it is set in stone but uh, yeah if you keep this keep supporting us uh, we will continue to have fun making this all right and with that thank you very much for listening everyone have a good day